0: Hello, once again, you're listening to Mum's The Word and I'm your hostess Kaz Jaff. Very excited to uh, release this episode this week of uh, our topic placentas. And uh, for those of you that don't know anything about placenta encapsulation, you're going to uh, be awakened, I guess. And for those that do know something about it, you might have some opinions. And uh, well, I'm just really ready to face all this head on. Our guest is uh, Natalie Stokel from uh, Placenta Vitality, a, a well-known expert in this uh, in this field. She uh, she's originally from New Zealand, and after completing her masters in psychology, she moved to the UK. She's also spent uh, um, much time in different countries, including England and Turkey, Nepal and Central America, where much of her work was with women and children. And in 2009, she had her first child, left the UK to move with her partner to Australia. Natalie discovered the benefits of placenta encapsulation after the birth of her second daughter. Her recovery this time round was very different from the first time and she puts it down to the capsules. Her energy levels were high, she didn't feel emotional or weepy except on the couple of days that she missed her capsules and her physical recovery was much faster. So she went on to learn as much as she could about this amazing, albeit a little weird, tradition. She trained firstly with placenta benefits and then with the association of placenta preparation. Uh, she now offers safe, certified and insured placenta services on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. She's a proud verified member of Placenta Services Australia and also serves on their board. She is passionate about keeping placenta encapsulation safe and to a very high industry standards here in Australia. She loves talking about anything placenta, so feel free to get in touch with her um, with any of your placenta quest- questions that might arise after this episode. Very excited to get this episode underway and without any further ado, here we go. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Natalie. I am so thrilled to have you on this episode. As you know, um, I'm a big fan of placenta encapsulation. Please tell us all about yourself. Um, we're we're just yeah wanting to get to know you.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Cass. Thanks for having me on the um, the podcast. And hi to everyone listening. So, um, a little bit about me. I'm originally from New Zealand. I um, spent first twenty four years of my life there. I My background is psychology. I studied for a master's in psychology and um, a diploma of gender and women's studies. And I was really close to doing a PhD because I love research. And then the world started calling me. So I decided to go traveling and basically I spent the next 10 years traveling, using the UK as a base, but traveling. I had a little uh bucket list i of things I want to do before I started having babies, so I just tried slowly made my way through the bucket list. I lived and worked in Nepal for seven months. I lived in Istanbul for a year, did a season in the Alps snow um, snowboarding I spent a few summers working at music festivals in the u k um, yeah, just having a, a, a fun time, and also during that time, I discovered massage and qualified as a massage therapist and started specialising in pregnancy massage. Uh, I've always been quite drawn to working with women and pregnant women, and so yeah, I spent ten years there, and then met a nice man and started a lovely relationship, and then started feeling like I wanted to leave London. I love London, so it was. It was really odd for me to feel like I wanted to leave. I just felt like the air wasn't good anymore. I wasn't breathing good air. And about a couple of weeks after feeling that, I discovered I was pregnant. Uh, So it was an unplanned pregnancy but a a lovely surprise. So we decided to have the baby and then leave the UK. So we had a beautiful home birth um, in London and then – When she was nine months old, we moved to Australia. We spent three months traveling the East Coast uh, looking for a home in the height of summer, so it was pretty intense with a nine-month-old in a camper van, Uh, and then we found the Sunshine Coast and decided it it felt like a really good place to to bring up our daughter. And A few years ago, so that was 2010, and then a few years ago, we had our second daughter, And um, now we're living happily on the coast, Uh, we've both got our own businesses, we're really enjoying the life here and it, it feels a far cry from bringing up children in London yeah
0: sounds great um i love that when you're pregnant you were so intuitive that you knew that the air wasn't good yeah yeah <laughs> and you didn't even it's know so you were odd. pregnant it's no. it's, like, it's just a yeah. higher higher being yeah. a higher energy telling you that something's yeah. not healthy for you okay so i'm dying to hear what got you into the placenta work awesome okay so when i um
1: discovered i was pregnant i I said before, I'm really into research, so I did a lot of research about what uh, would give me the best outcome or best potential outcome for the best birth I could have. So I did hypnobirthing, I did yoga, um, I attended birth preparation classes, ones you know outside the hospital. I, I realized that home birth looked like a really good option for um, having a, a natural birth, and yeah, I did a lot of a lot of. I felt like I studied for it, you know. I did a lot of a lot of planning, a lot of research, and had a pretty amazing birth. It was a water birth at home. My partner caught her. It was just, yeah, really, you know, textbook went really beautifully. Um, but what I didn't kind of anticipate, I was so focused on the birth, I didn't anticipate the postnatal period. You know, that all of a sudden, I had this beautiful being who was reliant on me, who was with me twenty four seven, who was. You know, feeding. We had a bit of a painful breastfeeding journey, so you know that was quite intense. And the emotions, yeah, it was quite a roller coaster for me. Um, a few baby blues. I remember um, a couple of weeks in, uh, but yeah, a couple of weeks, my partner saying, "You know, don't you want to get dressed and leave the house?" And I said, "No, I don't. I just want to stay here." Um, and I had actually somewhere along the way, I'd, I'd heard that you know, eating your placenta, you know, could be good postnatally, so I thought I'd give it a go. So we, um, my partner lovingly cut up some little pieces of placenta for me to eat postnatally. Uh, I think I did it twice and I just couldn't stomach it. I'm vegetarian. I'm not very good with blood. Uh, I mean, he did it in a smoothie, so it shouldn't have been, you know, should have been okay. But it just, I, I couldn't stomach it. The idea was too much. So we ended up burying her placenta. So then, when we, um, second pregnancy, we were in Australia again. I I felt quite prepared from the last one. Uh, I did, you know, a little bit of prep, but nowhere near as intensive from the first time I had toddler as well. And uh, again, had an amazing birth, amazing water birth at home with an independent midwife. Um, And it, it was even better than the second one in that it was, I guess I knew what to expect, but also I'd read, I remember reading about orgasmic births and. Thinking, wow, it sounds amazing. You know, before my, my first pregnancy and the the, sec- the first birth, it wasn't. It was intense. It definitely was not orgasmic. Um, the second birth, it was amazing. I just had all this. It was like this orgasmic energy in my body. I just wanted to keep kissing my partner, and oh, it was it was really. It, I felt like a, that kind of goddess orgasmic energy. You know, while I was birthing, which was really blew me away. It was amazing. Um, so. And this time around, I thought a lot more about the postnatal. And so I did some research, found out about placenta encapsulation. And so, yeah, did that and kept, prepared the placenta. And about day two, I started taking the capsules. And, yeah, felt really good. My energy levels, it felt, yeah, quite high energy levels. So I was looking after a toddler as well, um, as well as a newborn. So energy levels felt great. Um, my... I, my recovery like I bled for a lot less the second time round, probably a third of the time and um, my hormones yeah I just felt like on an even keel I just felt really good it was none of this roller coaster I didn't get three-day weepies any of that stuff and then maybe 10 days in I had a weepy my first weepy day I felt quite emotional and my partner said to me have you had your capsules today and I hadn't had them and it's oh yeah, this, okay, so they must be working. So um kept taking the capsules. It actually happened twice, but I missed them and didn't realize and had a weepy day. And then after about a month, I thought, I think I feel fine now. I'm just going to stop. And what I didn't realize is that you should really taper down. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know that. So I just I on about four a day, so I just stopped. And then I got had crashed a little bit, had quite a fall on emotional uh, a couple of days, so I took them again and then weaned myself down. And, um, you know, I felt, felt much better that way. And it was actually our midwife who said, um, this, you know, who saw the results, saw how good it was feeling, and I was buzzing on it, uh, and said, yeah, this, this, you, know, you should look into offering this here. And so I did some research, um, got educated, did some courses, and, yeah, here I am, you know, <laughs> preparing other people's placentas for them. If you told me that a few years ago, I wouldn't have believed you,
0: but, yeah, here I am. It's such, um, I mean, I see a lot of similarities. I was also vegetarian
1: and, and all yes. these things,
0: but it's such a taboo topic. If you bring it yes. up, people were pretty much grossed out. And I remember when I was um, late stage first pregnancy and I went to one of my pediatric lectures and the lecturer basically just said, well, who of you would ever consider it? And you could just feel the ick factor in the room. <laughs> yeah. And he said, he said, well, every other mammal does it too. Mm-hmm. And when you said that to me, because I'm so like you, research, mm-hmm. and if this has yeah. been around since the beginning of time and you speak yeah. to that part of my brain that, you know, is a logical part, yes. then, I, then I click in and then I started researching about it and mm-hmm. it just made so much sense. So I want you to elaborate on things that you've just touched on because I know research shows that there's a lot, um, there is research in placenta and um, placenta. Bajie, do you say it? I know there's a word. Yes, yeah, which means the eating. Oh, yeah. Percentage. Yeah. So yeah, I know but, there's yeah. a lot of research showing um, there's less chance of postnatal depression. I mean, yes. it just seems to me that there's there's nothing negative about it, actually, besides the ick factor and what comes in if someone else prepares it for you. So there's yes. no real ick factor. Um, yes. That was a big thing. So can you elaborate a bit about the postnatal depression? You touched on it a little bit, the less likelihood that you would have it. Sure, yes, so um,
1: yeah, like you said we 're one of the only one of the few mammals who don't ingest our placenta, and similar to yourself, many people have that reaction when you tell them that it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense i can I, I can deal with that, and as you know, the placenta is the amazing temporary organ that our bodies create to nourish our baby, and the placenta. Is full of such goodness that the baby takes priority. So for example, I could be iron deficient, but my baby won't be, and the placenta won't be. So all that goodness inside the placenta to I guess it's almost like the ultimate recycling, to you know, and in- recycle that and ingest that is just so can be so beneficial. So for postnatal depression, the um the hormones in the placenta uh often when so about day three, four, five, when Postnatally, your body—the hormones, pregnancy hormones—will start to drop in your body. So this is when um, the weepies can come in. Like you know, the baby blues and get quite emotional. So putting those hormones back into your body via the placenta can just just keep you on an even an even keel, keep you feeling good, can can ride you over at that time. Um, yeah, it'd be like a buffer to that—the natural drop in your body. And I have clients who. Uh, Have experienced postnatal depression the first time round, second time round, or third or fourth, have had the capsules and they've said, yeah, they haven't had any inkling of depression or anxiety uh, the second time round. Should they attribute to the capsules? Who, you know, we can't say for sure. There are so many factors. But the fact that so many women are reporting, especially second time mums, reporting the differences compared to the first time round, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot of support there for it.
0: I mean, technically, if you've grown a baby and, um, and then obviously breastfed a baby, Second time round, your body is more depleted. You're growing yes. a baby with less with less mineralization in your body. Yes, um, even the person who takes the best supplements. It's it's barely impossible to have as much nutrition in you. Yes. to feed and grow that child, and then second time if you feed the child. So it's it tell t- it's be- definitely tale telling to know that the second time round, when they're even more depleted, that they feel even better.
1: Yes, yes.
0: On on a logistics level, because um, first time. I did the encapsulate dehydration encapsulation second time raw smoothie and, and encapsulation in and tincture. People yeah. listening will have no idea what I'm yeah. talking about. So if you could please go into logistics so that someone knows what, or how do I gather my placenta, just literally what happens, what you do. And how they end up with some capsules. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So basically the process is, um, so usually someone will search
1: for someone who can do it for them. Uh, they'll book in with them and the, the person will gather all their details. And then when once they've birth, they'll give the person a call and say, my placenta's here. And the person will come and pick it up. So it's really important to... Well, you know, it's a food source. We need to treat it as a food source. So, um, once the placenta is birthed, it needs to go on ice or in the fridge um, and kept cool until the uh, encapsulator comes to pick it up. And then they'll pick it up, they'll take it home, take it to their lab or their area of preparation, and they'll um, cleanse and wash it, and then they will um, steam it usually, and then they'll dehydrate it and grind it up and put it in capsules. It takes about 24 hours, the process. And then they'll return a pretty little jar full of some capsules that look nothing like a placenta that for the person to start taking. So it's really palatable. It's not um which is another thing when people are told, Okay, I don't have to sit there with a knife and fork, it's okay, you know, it's um they're getting a little something that's just like taking a supplement.
0: That that helps a lot of people get their head around it as well. So, yeah. And then what about – I know there's some theory between dehydrated and raw, just what happens to the hormones from a Chinese medicine um, philosophy. Can you maybe tell us about raw, how that's yes. that done? Sure. How would you have a smoothie? I mean, visually for people, I think they're grossing out right now. Uh, yeah. Um, so
1: smooth, I don't do smoothies myself, but people can do – you could choose to um, take a small um, piece of placenta, maybe walnut size, um, Put it in a smoothie with lots of berries and bananas and lots of tasty things so you 're not going to taste the placenta um, and then to take that almost straight away or to take that um, you know pretty quickly um, is good and then the the steaming method, which is um, based or traditional method which is based on uh, principles of traditional Chinese medicine, which say that the postnatal period is important to have warming, bring a warming element to that period. So um, the steaming of the placenta is quite important. Uh, and then until so you start ingesting that uh, yeah, during that time is important.
0: I mean, we, we just don't give enough energy or attention or respect to the placenta. I know it's considered. Mm. Is, it, is it the seventh chakra?
1: Yeah, yeah it can be considered, it's, yeah. It's very it's also, sacred. It is. In a lot of cultures... yeah uh, some cultures believe that the placenta is the physical body of the child's guardian angel so when the placenta the body is no longer needed the, the you know the angel is still there but the uh, you know so they'll honor that by burying the body of the guardian angel um a lot of cultures especially indigenous cultures uh believe the placenta is connected to the land and you need to bury it where you were born it's your connection to the land yeah there's some really beautiful beautiful um beliefs surrounding the placenta and you know when you think about it, it is it's this amazing organ that's created to to nourish a whole person
0: it's 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 mind-blowing that we isn't as it? women grow another organ that is just there to nourish the child so amazing and then we can do that again the second time yeah i mean it's it's i mean we just have to think about that for a second yeah um really. okay so I guess it's important to touch on when would there be some contraindication, so I'm guessing if someone has a medicated birth that there would be some crossing over into the placenta and then that might be a red flag or contraindication um
1: generally um with i mean a lot of births uh medicated these days so generally a lot of the medications will have a short half-life so that's something to take into account also the placenta remember the placenta acts as a filter it doesn't store things well it the things it does store is known to store heavy metals so like if someone's a smoker you know the heavy metals will be in the placenta so it's not going to be a very healthy placenta to ingest Uh, but other things other medications So, people who have had to have a medicated even pregnancy, you know, for anti-anxiety medications or any other health conditions they may be taking medication for. Um, we we look at what the medication is. We we'll get them to check in with the GP. We look at the half life. See, I mean, there's so little research, and we don't know wh- with um, what the interactions could be. But also, it, it stores. It doesn't hold on to all this medication. So it, it sorry, it doesn't store. It, it filters. It filters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry, it doesn't store it. So, anything is going to be sent back out to the the mother's body for her to deal with and eliminate so anything medications from the birth may be in the blood uh, because it's you know being filtered out, so that's why it's important to remove and to drain the placenta of blood before processing and also the steaming can help leach out any um, any thing that might be left in there as well and also um any bacteria, any unwanted bacteria, so if there was a lot of meconium uh, that would definitely I would definitely do the steaming method. there's another method where it's not steamed, so definitely important to to steam.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, obviously, there's an art. I've seen, I've seen some placenta steaming, and it looks like you want to have dinner. I mean, there were <laughs> herbs on top and lemon on top. Not that I did; it wasn't mine. <laughs> no. But I have seen the preparation, um, and I know it's a lengthy process. But obviously, not anyone can do it. What um mums out there considering this now? Hopefully, what do they need to look for in in a specialist that you know, or what should they be aware of? To, yeah, sure. No, sure. That's a really great question, Kaz. So, um.
1: Yeah, definitely the people want to do, the, the mums looking for this, want to do their research. So if I was looking for an encapsulator, I would want to know, they at the very bare minimum, they had their um, food handling, food safety certificate, and they also had um, a bloodborne pathogen and infection control certificate. I'd like to know where they were preparing the placenta. I'd like to know their sanitation protocol. I'd also like to know what happened if they had two placentas in their possession, you know, what their protocol was for that. Yeah, there's a lot of boxes I would want to be ticked for me to choose someone. I'd also probably give them a call and have a chat just to get a vibe off them, find out their experience. Um, client testimonials I think are also a really good indication of the way they work and, and um, the way they run their business. There's also a, um, uh, an organization called Placenta Services Australia. I'm actually on the board for that organization. And it's a um, self-regulatory body for um, placenta encapsulators in Australia. So it's, there's a directory there. You can search in the directory. And in the directory, there are two categories. There's verified members and there's non-verified members. So the verified members are members who have Showing their valid certificates to the Centre Services Australia, and that at the minimum is the, uh, the the food safety certificate and also the bloodborne passage and infection control certificate. But also there are um, there are training organisations overseas where you can people can train. So I've I've trained with a couple of those organisations. So that's another qualification um, to look into. You know, that's an additional either either qualifications or experience. I think are a must um yeah yeah
0: Definitely. and is there a, a sort of international version of that regulatory body if people who are listening are obviously not in australia uh
1: not that i'm aware of no there are a few directories but um because it's it's almost it's quite a gray area it's not food it's not uh, you know it's a service rather than a product you know we're taking we're we're not creating a product we're servicing something you know it's quite a gray area there are a few um, directories that might uh, it could be international directories so people can look up but definitely to do their own research and to ask to see people's certificates or just find out their protocols I think is really really important it's um, I'm pretty passionate about keeping placenta encapsulation safe in Australia and because it's not regulated we need to be self-regulating and we need to create this at a really high professional standard.
0: Yeah, who knows where it will go in the future. So it's of course, to set it off now.
1: Of course, yeah, okay. definitely, yeah, okay. definitely. Well,
0: wow, it's um, well, it's definitely growing. I think when you touched on, you said your birth was 2010, first time. Uh, Two thousand nine was the birth. Yes, yeah, yes. So I mean, it was still pretty taboo and not really yeah. anything that was around. And now, well, coming back to Australia, of course, I've got on online to see um, who's around. And I, yes. it's quite a new um, emerging service.
1: Yes, it is. And there's been a few um, celebrities who have done it, which I don't even see any of the, the Kardashian posts, um, which is awesome because it normalises it a bit more and just it brings it to people's awareness. You know, a lot of people... A lot of people I talk to about it who have, you know, finished having their children, say, I wish I'd known about that. If I had known about that and you told me the way you've told me that it's just, you know, like taking a supplement, it's really palatable, I would have done that. Um, so and it's not for everyone. You know, it's not everyone, not everyone, not everyone needs it, not everyone um, may feel drawn towards it, but I love the idea that it becomes a normalized option for everyone. It's an option and it's there and it's safe and it's accessible. Yeah, and, uh, yeah.
0: and um, you know, it's not it's not so hippie, I think. Um, no. You know, that's not how my brain really works. It needs the research. Yes. It needs
1: yep. the, yeah. Yeah, no, most of my, I mean, you know, whatever definition of a hippie is, if we think that's of a stereotypical true. hippie, I don't, none of my clients are stereotypical hippies, and probably about 90%, 95% of my clients are hospital births, um, you know, which, again, is when I started out, I thought it would be all home births, yeah, and totally mainstream, non-crunchy mummers, you know, yeah. really normal, whatever that word means, but really mainstream people who have researched it and it feels right and who have had experience with anxiety or depression or even milk supply it can be really good for your milk supply, um, you know, have had issues in the past or who just want to really support themselves postnatally.
0: Yeah, that's something we didn't discuss was the milk supply. I mean, that's something that we definitely need to yeah. emphasize.
1: Yeah, yeah. The placenta um, contains prolactin, which is good for milk supply. And there's been a few studies, in, um, quite a few years ago, but a few studies when people were given uh, placenta, a group was given placenta, a group was given you know, non-placenta, like dried um, meat. And, yeah, the placenta group definitely had a really significant increase in milk supply. Um, and a lot of women anecdotally report that, especially women who – The first time around I've struggled with supply issues and and taking this, you know, for that reason. Yeah, I get many clients who have so they have abundant milk supply, which um, is so great because it, you know, it's we can as a mother, you know, we feel it's our job to nourish our babies on many levels and when we're not or we're struggling, we you know, the mama guilt can hit and it's no fun. Yeah.
0: And that goes hand in hand with uh, um, iron replenishment as well. Yeah.
1: Yep, definitely. Um, so, and that the iron, the iron in placenta is so bioavailable iron. It's, you know, natural. It's your own stores. So, really, really great iron to take, which can help with the fatigue. So, you know, the, the link between low iron and fatigue and also the link between fatigue and postnatal depression as well. That's a big, uh, big predictive line there. So, Having that the natural iron in your placenta can really, really help prevent fatigue and perhaps postnatal depression. I've got clients who have had quite uh, suffered from quite big haemorrhage or blood loss after birth, and have taken placenta, just placenta, chosen to take just placenta and not extra iron. And yeah, their their doctors or medical professionals have been really surprised. You know, two weeks later, their iron stores are back to normal because it's just such bioavailable iron.
0: Yeah, no, we definitely need uh, more people uh, spreading the message. I mean, obviously, yeah. part of this episode, but definitely in um, yeah, the wider community. Yeah. As, as a Mums the Word listener, you know I ask everyone for a quote um, to share with the audience and it's meaning to you. Um, yes. Let us hear it. Sure. So um, the language is a bit colorful, so please excuse it. <laughs> but
1: my, my, my favorite quote is, darling, just fucking own it. Um, you know, it just feels me just feels so permissive and so empowering that quote. And I think as women, we are often we're not given permission, or we maybe we feel we need it, or permission has been taken away or denied. Uh, I mean, we're very lucky in the culture we live in. Many aspects from a, a you know a woman, an oppressive point of view, but we're still women are still oppressed in our culture. It's just quite subtle and. To me, that quote says, just own it. You, you know, you do what you want to do. You, be empowered and you have permission to own it. Whether that be, yeah, and caps percent, to own it, don't give a damn what your mother-in-law is saying. It feels right for you. You do it. You own it. Um, or whether it's, you know, that really, that anger you've got inside you, that fire, own it. It's okay. Yeah, it feels, I'm big on empowerment for women and girls and to me, it's and the word you know the swear word in it to me just as emphasis to it you know as ladies maybe we're not supposed to swear it's you know it's not lady language but yeah just just fucking own it.
0: It's great. And who is it by?
1: I don't know. It's just unnamed. It's just uh, it was just um, yeah. It was unnamed. I, I, you know, I don't know. But it's, no, it's, it's very a, it's
0: very power woman power mama, isn't and, it? Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. So on the um, opposite of that. Um, Um, being powerful obviously we all have our challenging times um it would be great for you to share with us something that was maybe challenging for you or where you struggled just to let um, the mums know that we all have that and it's normal sure where where that happened and how did you get out of it or what was the result um
1: well there have been quite a few struggles i guess but um one of the biggest areas i have struggled i think is with the whole mama guilt thing um, I mentioned before I had this bucket list of things I wanted to do before I had children, but also on that bucket list, I um, were not so much things but more personal development. You know, I want to be this, I want to be that, and so I could imbue all those things to my children. Um, I want to be, you know, quite sorted emotionally, mentally again, so I could give that to my children. Um, and there's so much pressure on us as mothers self-imposed and society-imposed to do the best to even the words we use, the food we give our children, the toys we buy them, everything. You know, there's so much pressure. And, um yeah, there definitely been times when the mama guilt for me has, has gotten too much and I uh, to just feel like I'm, I'm not doing a good enough job. You know, my daughters are going to suffer because of choices I've made. So really just uh, the past few years I've been working on really letting go, dropping the mama guilt, like, well, I just dropped the mama guilt. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to be angry at your kids every now and then. It's okay to not like your kids. It's okay to just want to have a time out from your kids. You know, the last thing you or I need to be doing is beating ourselves up over feeling those feelings. Um, Again, I think that's perhaps a way in which women are unempowered, having that societal pressure on them to to be all these things, we need to be as women. Uh, so to to let go of the mama guilt has has um, been a big thing for me, and I, I work on it daily. But it's uh, it's definitely been a big thing for me.
0: Yeah, I'm nodding my head because I do I do feel it too, and I think it's true for everyone. And um, thank you for sharing that because it's very important that we let people know that yeah, it's all yeah. about balance, and mm. um, you, you cannot be everything all the time. And I think no. the biggest thing that we need to remind ourselves is that we are enough.
1: Definitely. And to teach our children that, you know, it's okay, I got really grumpy. And, you know, and I we, we're big on repair in our house. If if we do get grumpy or shout, we repair afterwards. It may not be a few hours later, but we're very good at modeling repair. And our daughters, you know, the other day, my three-year-old came up and said, Mommy, I'm sorry, I pinched you. You know, I won't do it never again. You know, of course you will, but it's okay. You know, just to have that to, to repair, I think, um, you know, is important. And to demonstrate it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be expressive. We don't have to wear the hats of I should be this way or should be that way. As long as, you know, expressing is important and as long as if we do hurt someone, we do repair it, uh, that's important as well. And ourselves, if we're hurting ourselves, you know, to repair
0: that too. Um, I'm really looking forward to this answer of this question because it takes a lot for someone to take someone's bloody um, organ (laughs) and wash it and love it and prepare it and all the things that you have to do, clean all your pots and your surfaces and God God knows the technical side of probably not even touching. I know there's a big smell as well. So obviously if if you're doing it anywhere near your home, your family, what is it that drives you and gets you to do what you do? Oh,
1: that's a good question. I guess – I've said before, I I feel passionate about empowering women, and this feels like a really small but significant way that I can help women feel empowered in their postnatal period. Um, You know, having growing a person, growing a human being, and then birthing that human being is so huge and something I don't think we give enough credit to in our culture. And as well as the postnatal, there's nowhere near enough postnatal support, either on a government level or on a community level for women. I think that's huge. So any, to empower women in that moment of their potential power of becoming a mother or, you know, re, if they're already a mother, you know, rebirthing, um, yeah, that that's what drives me. And I the feedback I get from clients is so rewarding. It feels like such an amazing thing to do. And, you, you know, you half joke there about the – the smell, the cleanup, and, you know, most of the job, to be honest, is the cleaning and the sanitation side, um, you know, which isn't fun, but I've, I've developed such a respect for the placenta Um I'm over the whole blood thing. You know, I just, I feel like it's a privilege when someone gives me their placenta, this amazing organ, you know, that's nourished their baby for me to prepare it for them. Yeah, it does feel like such a privilege and such a blessing. So yeah, I guess that's what drives me through all the, you know, the... The tough side of it, yeah, and the crazy hours or the random calls, being on call, you know, it does feel like a little drop in the ocean and to help the woman feel empowered. Yeah, definitely.
0: It's super sacred.
1: Yes. Yeah, it feels really sacred. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I ask all guests as well if you could go back in time and tell the earlier you or the new mum or the pregnant mum something, a little bit of advice, what would you want to share with listeners?
1: I would say. The earlier in your life that you can tap into your power as a woman, the you know the more empowered you can be. And I think if I'd heard those words when I was younger, I would have been like, "What do you mean tap into your power?" And and maybe it's something we can't um, understand till we experience. But I think we women are so powerful, and even just the act of birth is powerful. And you know our Perhaps women are more emotional or feminine people are more emotional than masculine people. Who knows? But there, there is power in those emotions. There is power in our intuition, in our wombs, you know, a place of our intuition, of our gut, or a place of creation, whether it be life or ideas or business, you know, so many things we birth from our wombs. I think to tap into that power, um, the earlier you can, the better, Um and I don't really know how to express that um, clear, even if it was just uh, as when I was younger, you know, to, to listen more to that voice of my womb, to put my hands there when I was doing a meditation to say, well, you know, what do you need? What do you crave? What do you desire? Um, but to know that your voice is important. I think as women, sometimes women's voices aren't considered as important as men's voices, whether it be on a like, you know, higher government level or even level of in the house, whatever the levels are, you know, your voices are just as important as men's, as other people's, to really value and give power to your own voice, I think, is um, is huge. And with my daughters, I really, I really like them to know that from a young age, you know, and they're quite feisty, which it's really annoying sometimes, but I don't want to squash that feistiness. I want them to be, I want them to speak them, their mind. I want them to say, hey, actually, no, that's not cool. Um, I just want them to say it in a in a way where they're owning it. You know, they're not blaming, they're not pointing the finger. Um, but I don't want it to be squashed. I don't want to suppress that power from within. I don't want to suppress that voice. It says, hey, actually, this is my feeling. Yeah, so tap into your power with, you know, any way you can, even if in later in life you finding out about tapping into your power it's never too late and there's so much power potential there
0: well it's uh, trusting your inner voice or women's mm. intuition or mother's intuition as we all have it i think um from what i know of what i've heard um the challenging children become the lead the leaders yes so, so that has to yeah. give us a little bit of yeah. um, obviously teach us patience but yeah. give us a little bit of peace of mind that we're growing yes. tomorrow's leaders uh. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Those toddler tantrums, that's what we yes. have to remind yeah. ourselves. So um I think you must have so many just from when it was either you were pregnant or just uh, as a mum. I think you would have so many resources that you would um would use and could tap into to share with the listeners as well, just for the show notes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um so uh
1: I re, hypnobirthing wasn't Worked really well for me uh, in my first birth. I did use it for both, but especially my first birth. My greatest fear was the whole you know ring of fire tearing in two feeling, whatever. So I did a lot of work around that, and I actually had no sensation. I, I was numb. I didn't get any stretch, anything. It was amazing. Um, re, that blew me away. That really blew me away. I mean, I could feel, I was aware of a head coming up, but there was no. It was really amazing. And the second time around, I was aware of a slight stretch that um, wasn't ring a fire, you know, so yeah, hypnobirthing was amazing for me. Um, a book that I really, really recommend um, is called Journey into Motherhood um, by Sherry Manelli, and she actually released a free PDF of her book. I don't know if it's still out there, but she did a while back. But it's um, inspirational stories of birth, all different types of birth, but all positive birth stories. And I think in our culture, you know, as you know, there are so many negative birth stories, so I just – but at the end of the last few weeks or the last couple of months of both my pregnancies, I really every night I'd read a positive birth story. Um, and, of course, you can go online and find positive birth stories and that kind of thing, but I really love books. I love having something in my hands and just to be in bed before I went to sleep to read a positive birth story. That really, um, that really, really helped me. Um, and then just this isn't so much pregnancy-related, more um, woman-related, but the book Woman Who Run With the Wolves, uh, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She is, I think, every every woman must read that book. So you might not be ready for it, but it is.
0: Sounds great.
1: Amazing. I'll read it if you haven't read it. Care read it? It's to me, it really helped me um, get in touch with my intuition, and really, really helped me feel empowered. Um, and it's a really powerful but subtle book. Each time I read it, I get something new. Yeah, really amazing. I give it to all my friends. I'd highly recommend.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. Any websites?
1: Any websites? Um, Spinning Babies, obviously, yeah. is awesome, yeah. you know, for any um, things you might have going on. Um, yeah, the Hypno Babies or Hypno Birthing websites are really good. Any kind of resource that's about uh, birth preparation that's not hospital based, I mean, they have their place as well, but often the hospital based um, ones, on my experience, are, you know, what if this happens? Then we'll do this rather than let's prevent this happening. Uh, you know. So any um, there's some on the coast here. There's some beautiful um, calm birth practitioners and beautiful hypnobirthers. Um, yeah, there's some nice, um, really yeah, some beautiful resources. I've actually just released a um, a baby business guide for the Sunshine Coast. It's just like a little magazine, but with heaps of that, heaps of those resources in it. Just the resources I've used and I want them all to run. It's just not for profit. Um, magazine that I have released but yeah to me to have all those little things in one place to to, to is see is that online is that online it's not online yet it, I um I've just like a few weeks only a few weeks ago we did the physical publication but um yeah I, I, I plan to do an online little directory as well but I am a big fan like I said of physical things so I'll definitely keep yes. that, <laughs> the magazine too yeah
0: you're very hands-on <laughs> I am yes yeah yeah amazing yeah. thank you um, and uh, of course a very important question how can people best get in touch with you to find out more about about you and your services sure okay and also people are welcome to get in touch with me just about placenta
1: encapsulation no matter where they are in the world i love talking placentas and i'm happy to help or direct anyone anywhere um but yeah for people on the coast if they want some help uh, with their placenta so um the website is placentavitality.com and my email is natalie at PlacentaVitality.com, or I'm on Facebook which is Vitality, or I've just started Instagram which again is Vitality. so yeah um, any of those ways and the website um, there's a couple of videos which could be informative there's a testimonial video I shot which just shows that everyone's really normal and and people talking about the experiences and also there's a little fun video on research it's got some really good research on it but also it's a bit fun because research can be dry for people who aren't like me and you who love research. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very normal people and uh, <laughs> we, we survived and to tell the tale, right? Exactly, 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 yep. Oh, I'm just so grateful for your time. This has really been an episode I've been looking forward um, more because I'm also passionate about it, and I think people know, need to know this. And um, I, I did my research too, and know that you're the best person for for the job. And to having been um, the guest, so yeah, I'm just I'm just so happy to launch this episode. Thank you so much. Uh-huh.
1: Thank you so much, Kaz. Yeah, it's my dream that we can um, provide this as a just an option for everyone, not everyone has to take it, but it becomes normalized. So yeah. thanks for being a part of that and having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, great.
0: Great, great. All right. Thank you so
1: okay, much. Okay, Bye. thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time, here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word.